They have life. The Milwaukee Bucks did it at the Pfizer Forum. An ass-whooping of the Phoenix Suns and Giannis Adenakumbo continues to show his prowess of why he lives up to that nickname. Yes, the Greek freak. Got to play this for the Bucks. Let's go, baby. Big time win in the finals. 120 to 100. Chris Middleton showed up. Drew Holiday showed up. Giannis Adenakumbo showed out. And the Bucks split that, uh, cut that Suns lead in the finals in half, two to one. Game four coming up Wednesday night at the Pfizer Forum. But how about this? Giannis not only did he propel the Bucks to that game three victory, he also had huge, huge history in the making. Forty-one points, thirteen boards. Giannis is just now the second player ever to have forty-plus points and ten-plus rebounds in consecutive NBA Finals games. The only other player. Shaquille O'Neal, and he shoots free throws just like him. Good morning, Rowdy. How we doing? Yeah, good morning. Bucks officially have life. Now they just have to hold serve in game four. Yep, no doubt about that, Rowdy. Giannis, uh, 24 points also in the restricted area. He was 12 for 12. That's tied for the most in NBA Finals game over the last 25 years. Only LeBron James in 2017 did it, and... Shaquille O'Neal in 2004. A lot of Shaq coming on here. Uh, records that Giannis is uh, is doing. Well, something that, also uh, Michael Jordan and, and uh, LeBron James ones as well. Something that uh, he didn't do like Shaq yesterday was he made his free throws. That was nice to see. And the Milwaukee Bucks just in general made their free throws. Which was very nice to see. Yeah, Giannis Adendakumbo from the charity stripe. 13 of 17. Wow. And for the first time this series, Chris Middleton actually getting to the charity stripe. Uh, he was three for three. So, and yeah, he's Brooklyn now averaging what one free throw per game. Yeah, and shooting one hundred percent from the charity stripe in the NBA Finals. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a it was a nice victory. The Bucks really turned it on. Uh, what was that in the freaking second quarter? They just blitzkrieged the freaking Phoenix Suns. It was a thirty-five to seventeen quarter. Clamped down on defense and really uh, started clamping down on offense and just bringing it to them. A lot of life, Rowdy. Uh, it looked kind of like a completely different team than the first two games. Well, uh, once again, Giannis was the constant, yep. obviously continuing to be the best player on the Milwaukee Bucks team, but he finally got some help. Yeah, which was nice like, to see. Drew Holiday finally had a good game. Chris Middleton, there's still still a little more to be desired from your number two, but uh, Drew Holiday played a really good game, all-around game. Yeah, uh, both both Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday really stepped up from the previous two games. They combined for 39 points, 12 rebounds, and 15 assists in that win. And it was just nice to see. You kind of figured that was going to happen, that they get home, they'd be comfortable, uh, the rims would be you know, a little more fair to the two in Holiday and Middleton. And you knew Giannis was going to be your constant. I want to I want to ask those people that would say the Bucks are a better team without Giannis Dendekumbo, what they're thinking now over the past couple games as the Greek freak is doing things that literally only Shaquille O'Neal has ever done uh, in NBA Finals history. Pretty crazy as Giannis is just out there balling on him, man. Giannis is just, he's hes a freak. Another thing that I did like that uh, Mike Budenholzer did in Game 3 was more minutes for Bobby Portis. Yeah, Bobby Portis, that's it's, just a spark plug. It was closer to evenly distributed minutes between him and Lopez. And I think just... Him being more athletic than Lopez brings the level of defense up. Yeah, I mean uh, Lopez hit some timely hit some timely plays, but other than that, Bobby Portis was out there being the spark plug that he was. But yeah, Bobby Portis is awesome. That dude plus Bobby Portis plus nineteen. Everyone was plus on the stat sheet besides uh, Bryn Forbes 
who what happened? Not that I not that I'm rowdy. Not that I want to start the show off talking about Bryn Forbes, but against the Heat, that guy was like the like the second coming of Ray Allen. Yeah, but that was I mean that was the thing before the Heat. We never really talked about Bryn Forbes. Ever. And after the and heat. And then after the heat, no one's really ever talked about Bryn Forbes. <laughs> so I guess we'll keep it that way. Uh, Packers underscore JT on Twitch. What's up, man? Says D Booker. Stop him and you stop the Suns. Well, Booker, what did he play last night? Uh, I guess he had 29 minutes. But uh, then he also says biggest run of the night happened when Middleton was on the bench. Hmm. Yeah, Chris Middleton, man. This is a. Chris Middleton, the most minutes out of everyone, um, 41 of them. Chris Middleton, five or six of fourteen shooting, three of seven from beyond the arc. He was, as we said, a hundred percent from the charity stripe, plus eight on their eighteen points. I don't know, man. What's the? I guess we already kind of said our piece on Chris Middleton, right, Rowdy? It's a guy that's not really a clear cut number two. You've seen him once or twice have a lights out game. Other than that, it's a guy that you're just like, who are you? Like, what what version am I going to get tonight? You know. I think that's that's it in Chris Middleton, right? Yeah, he's inconsistent. Yeah, we're just gonna have to live with an inconsistent number two. Uh, but right now, hey, he's part of the reason why the Bucks are in the NBA Finals. Could go back and look at that one game against the Nets where he took over and uh, dominated in the fourth quarter. But yeah, it's all about Giannis Adendakumbo today. The Greek freak is absolutely incredible. All right, what that uh, what that game three win tell you, Rowdy? What did it tell you for the Milwaukee Bucks? Is it that they're just too comfortable at home? Well, uh, one, they just didn't roll over being down two to nothing, mm-hmm. which I don't know how many people would have expected them to roll over in game three of the NBA finals where you're finally home for the first time. Yeah, I think I called for a double digit win in game three, if I remember correctly on Friday. I think most people called for a Bucks win here in game three. The biggest pivotal game is game four. Can you keep it even? Can you keep it two to two, hold serve on home court? I think, like we just said, most people expected a win in Game 3, a bounce back, the role players to play better at home, some of your Chris Middletons and Drew Holidays of the world to play better at home. Now can they do it two games in a row? Yeah, uh, as Packers JT suggested, it was a very forgettable night for Devin Booker. So Booker shot just one for seven in the first quarter and was never really able to get back on track after that. Finished with just 10 points on three of 14 shooting from the floor. 1-7 from long range. Booker played just, like I said earlier, 29 minutes in the game. Didn't play at all in the fourth quarter. Bucks were up big. Yeah, I was going to say, they kind of waved the white flag at, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, Chris Paul didn't really do uh, his greatest either. As uh, those two, Paul and Booker, CP3 and Devin Booker, hitting unconscious from beyond the arc. And really wherever for game one and game two, uh, really limited them. Uh, got up in their grill, kind of silenced them, broke them you know, emotionally a little bit. As CP3, you know, 8 of 14 shooting, 1 for 4 from beyond the arc. Devin Booker, 1 of 7. There was game was 1 and game 2. Those guys were just hitting everything from anywhere. So you limit those guys, obviously, not to be Captain Obvious here. And you can get yourself a nice little victory. As uh, we'll have comments coming up from Giannis, comments coming up from uh, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, Bobby Portis as well. Bobby Portis is the freaking man. But yeah, it was just, uh, that was a nice game last night. Nice to see the Bucks respond, kind of pull away there. Uh, Left no doubt. There was a couple moments where maybe the Suns were making a little run, and the Bucks were like, nah, 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 nah. I, I got this. So yeah, hope springs eternal for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, we've seen sometimes in the past where there's been teams up two to nothing uh, in a series, and they've come back to best the team that uh, they were down on or up on, i.e. the Toronto Raptors in the East Conference Finals against the Milwaukee Bucks. 
So, yeah, got got some stuff to talk about today. I'm just kind of sad that you got to wait all the way till Wednesday for the game, Rowdy. Sunday yeah, doesn't Wednesday? that just seem like the NBA just loves to stretch these series out? Oh, my God, I know. they got to milk it for all it's worth. Like why they can't be playing on Tuesday? Now, I mean, I heard some people making the case that it helps out like Giannis Adenokounmpo. Okay, because of his knee injury. But here's the thing. Does it look like Giannis's knee is even really bothering him? The dude is now doing things that only Shaquille O'Neal has ever done. No other player in the NBA Finals have ever done it. Um, are we really that worried about Giannis's knee anymore? No. I mean, once once you saw him play in game one and you saw him do what he did in game one and then come back after the game and say, yeah, my knee's not really sore. Hopefully it's not sore the yeah. next day. And then he came out and played the way he did game two and there was no mention of, oh, my knee sore. I don't really think the rest is anything. Yeah, so many different stats. If you want to, like, 40-plus points, 10-plus rebounds, only Shaq has done that. Then you could say, well, Giannis is the first player since LeBron James in 2016 to post back-to-back 40-point finals games. You take the rebound thing out of it. And now he's also chasing Michael Jordan history. All of these things and all of these stats that Giannis has going for him is absolutely uh, incredible. So uh, a reporter asked uh, Giannis, Michael Jordan had four straight 40-point games against the Suns. In the NBA Finals, Giannis had something to say about that. I'll play that upcoming. So, again, Michael Jordan, four four straight 40-point games against the Suns in the NBA Finals. Giannis now has two under his belt. He is doing things and chasing things that uh, we associate with the best basketball players of all time, like MJ um, or, you know, the uh, Shaq Diesel and his uh, stature that still, uh, you know, shadows the NBA. Crazy, crazy. Then, Rowdy, MLB All-Star break is upon us. The All-Star game is tomorrow. You had some very interesting tweets over the weekend concerning the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, real quick, I don't want to get into the tirade of it right now, but what's the vibe on the Brewers as they uh, lose three in a row before the All-Star break here? Now, granted, the Milwaukee Brewers could have solved all their issues and come out and score 10 runs every game, right? But it's easier yeah. said than done. Yeah. That umpiring crew was the worst crew I've ever seen. It was the worst series I've ever seen umpired in my life. And I've watched a lot of baseball, West Coast, East Coast, (laughs) Brewers baseball. That was the worst, and it wasn't even close. Yeah, Rowdy, very, very choice tweets. I was going to ask him if we were going to debut a segment today, but he he said no. He he spurned it off, which is surprising to me. But we're going to get a little fired up today for the Milwaukee Brewers. I've been waiting for this. I thought we were going to debut a new segment today, but I want Rowdy to do it whenever he's ready at his leisure. And I don't, judging by his Twitter account, I thought we were going to debut it today. Yeah. But sure I, I, I texted him last night or I DM'd him and he said, no, I'm not mad. I'm just frustrated. And then I go back and look at his Twitter account. Sure looked mad. Rowdy, for a guy who's, <laughs> for a guy who's just frustrated, I'd hate to see what you're like when you're mad. When you're mad. Uh, judging uh, by your weekend by these tweets here, I can't even read it. Uh, some of them because of all the uh, obscenities that are laced in uh, this. God, it starts, uh, goes back a while. Wow. Um, Rowdy, tell the fine folks of why you're, no, you're not mad, right? You're just frustrated, you says. It's the worst umpiring crew I've ever seen. And it's so you're terrible. not mad about this? You're just frustrated over it? They should be gone. They should be canned. Every single one of them. I mean, look no further than Googling Brian O'Nora. Uh, uh, before we before you dive into these guys, t- tell the folks why you're so mad. Well, obviously, the Milwaukee Brewers lose three out of four to the Cincinnati Reds. And to be completely honest, a few different breaks here and there, 
I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility the Milwaukee Brewers win that series three to one. Um, that's that's a difference between going into the All Star break up eight games in the Central versus up just four currently. So I want to do this game by game here. I googled um, him, and the first thing that pops up is sex trafficking. Yeah, yeah, Brian O'Nora. I don't. Yeah, know, well, he still umpires games. I don't know how he's umpiring games because he was busted in like a, a sex trafficking string, uh, a sting like two years ago. Powerful union. Apparently. What was that? Two years ago or three years ago? Uh, well, the article's from twenty twenty. Okay. But it could have been earlier because yeah. this is his he was, court appearance. Uh, he, he was a John, I guess. He was busted, like, soliciting yeah. sex from, like, tra- I think, obviously trafficked sex workers. Yeah. Which is obviously not good. Uh, we'll go with Thursday. And this is the first, oh, oh. first thing. Yeah. So, obviously, the Brewers won on Thursday, and then mm-hmm. they lose three straight. So, that's right. July 8th is a Thursday. Rowdy says, this strike zone has been horse bleep all night. Hashtag Brewers. And Rowdy... You're not wrong in that because the that's when the umpire uh, card came out, right? Yep. So then, that was obviously oh, in game. Real quick, and then after the game, it says Rowdy tweets out uh, July eighth. Brewers won the night in a sloppy game, but Brian Onora is the worst umpire I've seen this season. We talked about that on Friday, and it confirmed when the umpire card came out. Yes. Then the umpire card comes out for that Thursday night game. He had an accuracy that was seven percent below average. And he had a consistency that was 3% below average. And the guy missed 23 different calls throughout the night. And they list like his top three biggest missed calls. It just so happens that a lot of them went against the Brewers. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? And the Milwaukee Brewers won the game, like I said, in a sloppy game. It was ugly. Both teams should have been pissed at the umpire for how inconsistent and how bad that zone was. There were pitches that were three, four inches off the plate that were getting called for strikes, and then other times they would be balls. Yeah. Like, there was no one knew where the zone was, except, I guess, maybe Brian Onora thought he knew where it was, but that was terrible. It was awful. And a lot of people say, well, you guys, you guys in your generation only blame the umpires when you lose. Sounds like Dave from Monona. Exactly. Well, guess what? <laughs> I'm complaining about it on a Thursday night, and they won. That's just how bad it was. And it you're was just doing it for the Brewers. It's for the both teams. Yeah, it was unacceptably bad. Like, that's not a professional. So, uh, let's see here. On that Thursday night game where it all started, Brian Onora, the home plate umpire, called 148 of 171 uh, taken pitches correctly. Uh, eight of, let's see here, missed calls. God, he had some bad ones. They said he had an 84% accuracy. The, the overall is around nine. The average is 96%. This dude was 87%. And so, mine somewhere else. So Rowdy responds with that. Uh, the, the, the scorecard of the umpire says, might be the worst ump game I've ever watched. And it was bad. And then Friday night. I didn't know I was going to watch Friday night. Then Friday night happens, and Rowdy tweets out, these umps have been horse bleep both games of this series so far, hashtag Brewers. And then we go to the one at 945 at night. Another great example of the pussification of America right here with the Adama slide. Sports are soft these days. <laughs> Pretty soon, guys that wear dresses will be playing. Oh, wait. Hashtag Brewers. Rowdy, tell the fine folks. <laughs> Good tweet. Well, tell the fine folks that with the Adama slide. Well, he slides into second base. He does not take out the guy that's 
at second base trying to turn a double play. Mm -hmm. And they still call him for interference. I don't know what else Willie Adamas is really supposed to do. Yeah, it was not like it was like, not good. What is he just supposed to not come sliding into the base? Is he just supposed to like completely fall down on the ground? There, so, there were other slides in that series at second that were more obstruction exactly than than that slide you're talking about. And, and that's not even that wasn't even obstruction. No, absolutely like obstruction, not. Obstruction. What what the rule used to be is if you can still touch the base. You can slide in anywhere at yeah. any time. Unless, so, unless you come in fast enough and overshoot the base. Yeah, and and basically, back when men were men, you could slide in and take, railroad take guys out. Now, no, we're not talking about Manny Machado dirtily sliding in, cleats up, and, and trying to absolutely take out Dustin Pedroia's ACLs. We're talking about coming in there hard and making a slide, trying to break the play up, Trying to basically get in the guy's way, yep. trying to knock into him in his lower body, not dirtily cleating somebody. Right. Christian Yelich, they were they wanted to go to the monitor, and then they didn't do anything about it. Yeah. Which his was even okay. Well, let's not get, that one was on the same level as Willie Adamas's. Hang on, there hang was on, really, really on, no difference. Hang on, hang on. All right, we're still in no, July. It's the 9th. same game. Yeah, hang on. I'm gonna get to the Empire Crew still. This so Rowdy tweets out a little later then. This umpire crew can get bleeped. This is the worst series of umping I've ever seen, and there's still two more games. This is ridiculous that these are quote unquote professionals. A bleeping little league dad on a bucket after a six pack is a better option than these clowns. <laughs> Hashtag Brewers. The the sad I love thing that tweet, is, right? That's a good one. And it's not only you because MLB followers in general. We're watching this game. Mm -hmm. We're watching these games because, you know, it's the top two teams in division and it can mean a lot for the Brewers to get more wins and be ahead a lot more. But there were a lot of people commenting on this umpiring crew over the weekend. And well, it's because it was a national TV were. game, right. too. Yeah. So the scorecard comes out for the July 9th game. Rowdy retweets it and says, Gifting nearly a full run in a low-scoring close game, this umpiring crew has been the worst in the league. Woof. I've, I've never seen that. Almost one run. Yeah, that's crazy. The in, card comes out in a one-run game. Once again, the overall accuracy was below average. Once again, the overall consistency was below average. Once again, their outside and inside zone accuracy was below average. And not to mention, again, another game where they had double-digit missed calls for strikes. Oh, and by the way, the majority of them, again, went against the Milwaukee Brewers. Their biggest mistakes, which they say were their worst calls, once again, against went the against the Brewers. And when you win a game 2 to nothing, and basically are gifted one full run, yeah. I mean, the yes. difference in that game is that, one swing of a bat. Was that Willie Peralta's game? Or is that the next game? No, that's the that's Freddy? Saturday's okay. game. Are yeah, we so still but on we're, we're still on Friday. No, we're oh, Friday okay. right now. But, but yeah. So Thursday was the Brewers won in a sloppy yep. game. Terrible umpiring for both sides. Correct. Was that the worst umpired game? Was the Thursday one? Thursday was by far. Yeah. I mean, the scorecard says, says so. Yeah, Thursday was by far the worst overall umping. Friday was 
overall the worst one-sided umping game for Cincinnati. And that was like when we're talking about you're the Brewers started putting guys on base towards the middle of that game. They started getting to Miley a little bit yep. and then they'd have these nonsense interference calls yep. or they'd have some nonsense call that all of a sudden took them out of an inning mm-hmm. because it would be like, for example, they'd have like, if I remember correctly, it was like Jace Peterson up and he'd have like two strikes and all of a sudden He's getting called strike three out on him with two guys on base when it was like four inches outside. Right. Like, it's not even remotely close. No, it's not. All right, so then Saturday's game, uh, Rowdy, not many tweets or any tweets outside, but you had a wedding you were at. I was at a wedding on but Saturday. But I know you're I know you're <laughs> keeping tabs on the game. Uh, the biggest controversy coming with Christian Yelich at that play at first base when they say he was rounding to second. That's why he was called out. And then Yelich is in the... Uh, the umpire's face, and if you're a good lip reader, you can definitely see what Yelich basically, not basically, says to the guy, you can't be bleeping serious. You've been bleeping us all series. Yeah. So Yelich. And the, my favorite part about that was obviously he went off on the first yeah! base umpire, and then who comes in at the last second to try and like calm things down and smooth things good over? Brian. Brian Onora, <laughs> the guy that was got the worst ump in the entire series of terrible umps <laughs> from Thursday night. And when he comes in and tries He's to settle laughing. Yelich down, he looks him dead in the eyes and goes, an F you too. Yeah. <laughs> Yelly goes, an F you too. And then Craig Council eventually gets ejected as well. How many games have you seen Craig I've never Council, seen Yelly get mad. Well, one, Craig, Freddie Peralta get angry yeah. and tossed out of the game. Yep. Craig Council get angry and get tossed out of the game. And Christian Yelich get angry and tossed out of a game. I've never seen Yelich be emotional. And besides, like maybe when the Brewers like got to the NLCS. The best part is, after that game, pretty much everybody on the Brewers came out and said that was horrible. Yeah. And guess what? They haven't been fined yet. No. Maybe MLB knows. So, so well, and then the so the the umpiring card came out. Yeah. For that one, and it was relatively even. But the biggest thing in that game was how about some of the strike calls. In those at bats where Freddie Peralta ends up getting, or sorry, some calls that should have been strikes that Peralta didn't get in at bats where he ends up giving a home run up and yeah. now they're losing. Strikes out Castellanos and then he hits a, home, but it was called a ball. Yeah. They hit the zone. Exactly. Yeah. And then next pitch, three run home run. So, Brewers like days. that, that can completely changes not only that at bat if it's a strike versus a ball, but obviously it probably changes. The score. The Reds don't score that many runs because they right. don't ever get the home run. And then you have the Yelly call where... Where Yelich literally says, you've been effing us the entire series. Yeah. And they're not wrong. That's why they all three got pissed and got thrown out. So that yeah. was Saturday. And then Sunday, Rowdy tweets out, end this bleeping series, hashtag Brewers. And then I have so much to say tomorrow about this Brewers-Red series. We'll get to the actual series itself. I just wanted to cover the... Uh, I think we the just umpire. Well, yeah. There's no series to talk about well, on because Saturday, the umps made it about them. Yeah, on Saturday you have Christian Yelich, where in the rule book you have to make it like in um, the rule says that you have to make an attempt to go to second base by turning and taking steps. Yep, he flinched. He didn't take any steps. He literally flinched and kind of turned his he, body. He played the hokey pokey. Put his left leg out. And then brought it back. And then he gets called out. Obviously, we saw the freak out. But yep. then RJ found a great example of Sunday game with the Yankees and the Astros yep. where Aaron Judge literally takes like two <laughs> or three steps and is starting to go towards second and then hooks back around. 
And was called safe. And was called safe and said he did not make an well, attempt. initially called out, I think, and then they went to replay and then said, no, it wasn't an attempt. That was 10 times the attempt going yes. to second base than what Yelich's was. Because there's even a rule where when you're in Little League, you're taught if you're not going to second, you take that right and you come yeah, right back around. you either around. go straight on the line or you fade off to the right. So one, yes, mistake on Yelich for not going right. But there is a rule where if you go left and strictly turn around left and come right back to the base, you're not making an attempt right. to go to second base. Now He flinched, but he never actually attempted to go to second base. I, I'm trying to remember here. India was on the right side of the line, right? After that? As in still in the in the play, uh, yeah. field of play? Well, no. Okay, so if you're running down first, you had the guy covering first, so you had to go right to touch the bag. But then India was on the right side of the line as you would have been trotting down the line. So you couldn't really go that way because he's there. He's fielding the baseball over right. there. I, so I, I think it was more that, of a, but... I'm going to stop here because I don't want to run into you anyway. And I'm trying to be respectful of you. <laughs> yeah. All right. We got uh, some phone calls to get to quick. Line one, welcome to the show. Who's this? It's Brenda. Brenda, what's up? Oh, my God. My mom had to tell me to stop swearing at the umpire. It's bad with your mom. Who, who She's like, they can't hear you, honey. I said, I don't care. This is like the most god And it was game after game after game. And it was it was fairly even. And, I mean, even, was it Votto that got kicked out the same game? Yeah, the he got kicked out, too, yeah. For the, the okay, check when, swing. Right. When two of your star players and a manager all get kicked out in one game because they're cussing at the umps because of bad calls, that says something. Right. I mean, you know, how often have you seen that happen? And it was just, it was ugly. And now, granted, I mean, yes, the Brewers' offense did suck also, (laughs) and I'm going to admit that. I mean, I was yelling at them, too. I'm like, come on, guys, get it going. So I was yelling at them, but the umpiring, like, I'm like, like you said, like, the ball was in the dirt, and oh, yep, that's that's a, a strike. It's like, what? what? What ball did you just see come past the plate? Or it was, like you said, four or five inches outside, and they're calling that a strike, and then, you know, it almost hit somebody. Oh, that's a strike. Yeah. It's like, what? Very what? frustrating, what? Brenda. Very frustrating. Yeah. But oh also frustrating God. is the Brewers' offense and Josh Hader blowing it and whatnot, so that stinks too. Uh, Rowdy, so question for you. I was very excited, like, looking at your Twitter account uh, over the weekend. A lot of anger seething through you. Uh, over this Brewers Red series, and specifically about the umpire uh, crew. I mean, obviously the Brewers offense stunk, Josh Hader stunk, and there's some things to uh, break down. We're not blaming the umps uh, fully for this. I mean, it's a it's a little uh, you know part of the recipe though of what happened with the three game losing streak for the crew. I thought for sure we'd be getting the the deb- debut of the world's angriest man segment, but you said no. You're just frustrated, not angry over this crew. Well, What's it, it like when it you're angry, a, then? It puts a bad taste in your mouth. So you're going, not angry. Going into the All-Star break. So you're not angry, though. No, I'm, I'm frustrated and a little pissed off because of how bad people are at their jobs. So should we, should we change the segment to the world's most pissed off man? Like, they, sh- they shouldn't be employed by MLB. That's how bad that series was. It was not a good series for the Because then on crew. Saturday... We talked about briefly about how that one huge at bat with Castellanos completely changes the game because then Freddie Peralta gives up the home run. Now all of a sudden, you have a you come back and you get the lead, and then Josh Hader blows it. Mm-hmm. Then on Sunday, you're in a one to one game, and Willie Adamas steals second base, gets called safe. 
they go and they want to review it. It appears from one angle that he slid into the guy's foot and got tagged while his foot wasn't on the base. If you look at another angle, it looks like his foot came off of the guy's foot and was on the base when he was getting tagged. They still call him out when they're supposed to have conclusive evidence to overturn something that Definitely he was, already, was not conclusive. He was already called safe, the original call. Definitely there not was conclusive. no conclusive evidence saying that he was on the base versus because you could grab two different angles showing you two different things. Mm-hmm. Yet he gets called out, especially in a situation where there's two outs. You just put a runner in scoring position and now a hit's going to bring him in. All right. So my and, question yeah. and it just it stinks because then Hader ends up giving up the tie game and it's in one with how bad the umpiring was terrible. How bad the Brewers' offense, because it just seemed like they couldn't get the big hit or a timely hit. Terrible. And then on top of it, Hader had to take a dump multiple a times, times, a times in a four-game series. Yep. Like, just the combination is so frustrating because everything, it seemed, was going against the Milwaukee Brewers in that series, and yet they still, if a few things go a little differently here and there, in my opinion, could have won that series pretty easily, three to one. So if you're instead of losing one to, th- if you're frustrated and pissed over the series, what would make you mad then? That we could debut the world's angriest man segment. Like, what would make you angry? Because you seem pretty angry to me. Yeah, another another series like that, having to see those clowns. So, like, I would have been like, I was very excited to have the world's angriest man d- today. I thought this was primed for it. I would have come on these airwaves if, if Christian Yelich, when he was getting in the, the face of uh, the umpires and even brought out the pointer finger. Oh, yeah. If, if he would have punched one of them, I would have defended him. If Yelly would have cold clocked the umpire, I would have defended it and say it was deserved. I love this tweet right here Brando Savage, my man. At Brando Savage underscores his Twitter account. He links me with a picture from Saturday, or I'm sorry, Sunday night. He says, I turned it up, uh, I turned it up and ripped the knob off. Turn it on and rip the knob off. Last night at the Pfizer form, Bobby Portis with the victory serenade in the background too. Hashtag Bucks in six. There's our guy Brando Savage uh, at the Pfizer of last night. Loyal listener of the show. Awesome cat. As he is there soaking it in, what a uh, what an atmosphere it would have uh, been to be in last night, Rowdy. How about the seventeen thousand people at the Pfizer Forum? Twenty five thousand plus outside in the Deer District. That place was rocking last night. Absolutely awesome to see. And it always cracks me up when you look at the Pfizer Forum and there's like you know if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. Whatever. What do I care? But there's everyone masking in there. And then you go outside and you look at the Deer District where there's 25,000 plus people packed like sardines, nuts to butts, shoulder to shoulder, you know, so it's, and they're just having the time of their lives. I would rather be, I feel like, out in the Deer District. That looks like my kind of people. How about you? Oh, 100%. But it did look like they uh, filled that Pfizer Forum up pretty oh, full. That thing was jam-packed. Uh, David Bakhtiari there slamming beers. I think David Bakhtiari's dad was there. Slamming beers. No sight of Aaron Rodgers. Well, it's nice to see because remember when they had those uh, earlier playoff games where Mm -hmm. it was like, man, you could see a lot of empty seats in there. Mm -hmm. It'd be very disappointing if Milwaukee got its first, you know, NBA finals where they're hosting a game and you didn't have a full stadium. Oh, I mean, it would be. Was that ever a question? Like, was that ever a doubt? In today's day and age, who knows? (laughs) I never, I never doubted it. 
But yeah, there you go. The Milwaukee Bucks just uh, crushing at the Pfizer Forum last night. They, oh my God, feeding off that home crowd. Absolutely incredible. It was uh, awesome to see. As you can tell, the Bucks felt at home. I mean, Giannis Dendekumbo is doing things that uh, only Shaquille O'Neal has ever done. And Giannis Dendekumbo right now uh, on pace to do something only Michael Jordan has ever done. Jordan scored four consecutive uh, 40-point games against the Phoenix Suns in the 93 playoffs. Giannis right now is two under his belt. Game four could be another you know, 40-plus point performance from Giannis, hopefully. It's going to be on Wednesday night. I think it's weird that they went Sunday, and now we got to wait till Wednesday. Is that is that strange, or is that just me, or is that the NBA just milking it? That's the NBA just taking forever and stretching out a series, because wouldn't you have figured it would have been on a Tuesday? It, it would, one would think. But yeah, here we are, uh, waiting till Wednesday. Man. So Giannis Adendokounmpo, I have uh, some audio from him I want to play up. Bobby Portis as well. So Giannis was asked about Michael Jordan. Uh, you'll hear the reporter. You'll hear Giannis. Uh, you know, kind of just spurn the guy off. It's uh, it's pretty funny. Take a listen. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Michael Jordan. Uh, let me just start it over. And I know you said before you can't predict the future. Yes. But uh, Michael Jordan had four straight forty-point games against the Suns in the NBA Finals. I'm not Michael Jordan. Is that in jeopardy? <laughs> I'm, not <Michael> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Michael Jordan. Uh, four forty points in a <laughs> straight two. Four in a row. <laughs> yeah, I'm there, uh, no, I'm not Michael Jordan. Uh, but, you know, all I care about right now is getting one more. That's all. That's all. So Giannis making it very clear and adamant that he's not Michael Jordan. Here's the thing. We're not going to confuse Giannis with Michael Jordan, but the fact that Giannis right now is uh, on pace, I mean, two games in a row, 40-plus points, Hell, the way he's been playing, he could do it again Wednesday night, and then he could do it again. What's the next game, Rowdy? Is it Saturday, then, I'd imagine, uh, down in Phoenix? I'd have to go look here. Yeah, Saturday. Saturday would be game five. So Giannis could potentially do it. Absolutely incredible. What he's doing, though, is he's the first player since Shaquille O'Neal to have 40-plus points and 10-plus rebounds in back-to-back games. That's uh, pretty impressive. Back-to-back finals games. Giannis and Shaq. Wow. All right, Rowdy. So Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis is definitely a huge spark plug off of that bench. Bobby Portis bringing the energy last night, by the way. Bobby Portis looked good last yeah, night. Yeah, and that was nice to see. Obviously, him and Lopez almost had, well, they had pretty close to the same amount of minutes played. Lopez shot the basketball a little bit better. I thought Bobby Portis played a little bit better defense and brought a little bit more energy. But it was nice to see that Bobby Portis got a little bit more run because I think he just brings a little bit something different to the Milwaukee Bucks that uh, Lopez just doesn't. Yeah, both guy, both that. guys that have to play well and have to play their role. But I, I do like that he's getting a little bit more run. Uh, here is, uh, I want to play a little bit of this Bobby Portis presser. Bobby Portis is absolutely hilarious. He's the best. Check out Bobby Portis in his uh, little presser here after the game. Looking super fly. It's very important. Um, obviously, Giannis can go out there and score 40 points all the time. Um, but when everyone else is involved, it kind of unlocks him a lot more. And it kind of creates him, you know, mismatches in one-on-one a lot more. Guys can't really dig in and, you know, ODB over the top and try to X out backside and do things like that so uh, when guys is making shots it just makes it tough on the opposing team because now he's really just playing one-on-one and you know good luck with that <laughs> no doubt <laughs> for real for real <laughs> bobby portis the man greek freak <laughs> we'll, we'll go Lori and then vince last two questions 
Bobby, uh, Giannis's performance puts him in the leagues of Jordan and LeBron and Shaq and stuff like that. When Jeez. I think of those three guys, I don't necessarily think of humble. I think of like born leaders, supremely confident. But when Giannis gets up here and talks, he talks about how what you did allowed him to make a return with his knee. Yeah. He talks about being in the moment. Like 30 years from now, when you think about this, I know you have more 30 to do. 30 years. Well, but you're going to remember <laughs> some really key things. Now so. 56. <laughs> right. What I ain't will trying you... to think about 56. <laughs> I ain't going to lie. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, hey, I'm 26 too. Should I put 30 on me already? But, but real quick, Bobby Portis looks like an old 26, by the way. Yeah. Doesn't he look like a guy that's like been playing in like the early 2000s and now he's still playing in the NBA? Like He looks like he's been around the block for a while. Bobby Portis is like, damn, 30 years? <laughs> just, what stories will you tell about Giannis, the teammate, Giannis, the leader, Giannis, the comeback guy? Oh, man, Thanks. Giannis is a great, great guy. Um, you know, one of the big reasons why I wanted to come here is just to play with him and play with all these guys because um, I watched the bubble last year and I just seen the hole where I can just try to feel the need at and it was just perfect timing for me to come here. Um, but just Giannis in particular, man, he's a relentless hard worker. Um, he gives his all to the team. Um, he's, he's selfless, man. And when you play like that and when, you know, when you want to win, I think the basketball guy just always rewards you. Um, he never cheats the game. He stays in the gym. He lifts weights hard every day. Don't know how he do that and go out there and play, but he lifts weights hard every day. He gets his reps in and, you know, he stays down. And he's just like, when you're, when you're humble and hungry like that, it just always just comes back to you. And, um, for a guy to, um, you know, hyperextend his knee less than two weeks ago and to come back and do the things that he's doing, man, I just think that just speaks for itself, man. Um, and um, he's just a great guy overall. Love being his teammate. Love being out there with him and competing. Bobby Portis on Giannis Adenokounmpo. Absolutely incredible. Wow. Giannis is like the Terminator. I think uh, that interview and that question right there by Bobby Portis might have just revealed why Giannis struggles at making free throws and shooting threes. Because he's in the gym every day. Because he's in the weight room lifting weights every day. Have you ever lifted weights and then tried to go out and shoot a basketball? Mm. I mean, I (laughs) lift weights every day, but I don't shoot a basketball. It makes it a lot more difficult. When's the last time you lifted weights and went out and shot a basketball? used to do it all the time in college. Yeah? Okay. It it's pretty challenging because your arm, especially if you're doing like upper body, your arms just feel like jello. Yeah. Uh, Giannis, though, I mean, he was good from the charity stripe. Maybe you guys in rec league in the uh, in the intramurals. No, it would just be like you would go <laughs> out there, you know, you do your workout, and then you just because there'd be like open, uh, yeah, like a, open yeah, rec. You just fatigue, go out and shoot. Fatigue happens. Yeah. Yeah. You could look Oof. pretty bad doing it. Uh, Giannis Dindakumo not looking bad from the free throws last night to compare to Rowdy's intramural league. But Giannis Adent- Not intramural league. <laughs> sorry, rec league. Not Giannis- rec league. Sorry, open shoot around. Giannis Adendic, if we could just keep going on the, the rungs here. Giannis Dendekumbo, 13 to 17 from the charity stripe. Uh, no word if he did lift the big weight session uh, before the game. But uh, wow. Bobby Portis singing his praises of Giannis Dendekumbo. That's what everyone's talking about, Giannis Dendekumbo, like that, though. I mean, they ask him all kinds of questions like, oh, you're doing something that you know Michael Jordan's only done. You're doing something that Shaq's only done. The only thing Giannis wants to talk about is his teammates. And they, he, they're the reason why he's here, of how they need to trust in each other, this and that. Giannis Dendekumbo, the fact that he's a Milwaukee Buck and we're talking about you know, a once-in-a-generational talent is, is, is insane. I mean, Giannis, the Greek freak, is just he's just crazy. It's nuts. 41 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists. Bucks crush 120 to 100. 
And what did you say, Roddy, at the start of the show? This showed you what the the game last night that the Bucks weren't going to quit, right? Yeah, because I'm, you wouldn't think they would, especially when Giannis is their main guy. But we've also seen the Bucks kind of uh, fold up in the past. They didn't. Now they got to hold serve in Game Four and continue to win on their home home court and see where it goes if they can't steal one in Game Five, right? Yeah, the best thing about this last night, I mean, Giannis is going to get his. Giannis is going to get his. But the fact that uh, other guys stepped up, i.e. Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, they actually, uh, you know, the difference was this. Giannis, 42 points in game two, the Bucks lose. Giannis, last night, 41 points, the Bucks win. The difference is Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday actually shooting the ball uh, marketably better. Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton shot a combined 12 of 37 in the game two loss, that was 32.4%. Last night, Holiday, 21 points, 9 assists, 5 of 10 shooting from deep. Middleton, 18 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. Nice to see. Yeah, I mean, Giannis still goes off. Brewers, I'm sorry, Bucks, uh, actually got some uh, some stuff from their uh, number two and number three, and that's what you're going to need to do. Really, I mean, Rowdy, We've seen the Bucks start out a series bad. Like, let's look at the Brooklyn Nets. I know injuries were involved, but the the Bucks start out a series bad. They're down in a two zero hole. But as the series progressed, it's like the Middleton and Drew Holiday got a little better as time went on, right? Like, it's like they got to warm up for each series. Is that just me? I mean, so far in the Hawks and the Brooklyn series, no, I guess. But I. It's the NBA Finals. <laughs> Are you? Re- it's just concerning that you need two games to warm up. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I've, it's like we've seen in the past couple games, though, or past couple series with these two. I just don't really understand how you can be so ice cold. Is it really just you're that comfortable in Milwaukee and you just got the, 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 the nerves and the tension on the road? I don't know. Well, I think you can say that in Game 3, Drew Holiday played well. Like, Drew Holiday played extremely well. Obviously, Giannis is the constant. I'm still waiting for Chris Middleton. I know he didn't shoot the ball or he shot the ball decently well, but he didn't really have anything where it was like, dang, Chris Middleton played really, really well. You know what I mean? Like you can point and say better that. better than two in game one. What is that saying much? Yeah, they won. No, I'm saying for him to play better than in games one and two. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's that's where you want him trending is better. Okay, but I'm saying you still haven't looked at Chris Middleton and said, Dang, he's played a good game yet. And it's 2-1, to one, we're going into game four. Yeah, just think if he can get uh, a good game under his belt when Giannis is doing his thing and uh, Drew Holiday's a constant, then the Bucks are just going to be, instead of winning by 20, they could be winning even more. Love my time when I get to have this cat on. Andrew Wagner, Forbes.com. Andrew, what's up, my brother? I am, because there's nothing like starting out a week by getting up early to talk to my boy Ebo and Rowdy. <laughs> Mom Andrew, you know how to butter me up, sweetheart, don't you? Yeah, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> so, Andrew, um, we're going to get into the Brewers, uh, them kind of stumbling into the All-Star break. What's going on with Josh Hader, uh, Christian Yelich's ejection, all kinds of good stuff. But first, Milwaukee Bucks take it. Uh, game three, I go over the uh, Suns, 120-100. to 100. So there is life after all. We feeling a... Uh, what are we feeling about the life for Bucks? Is Bucks and seven or Bucks and six a real thing? Bucks and seven. What are we, what are we thinking through the eyes of Andrew Wagner from Forbes.com? I, I still don't understand how Bucks and six became such a, a like it was. It was not a good thing when it was said. So I don't know like why this is some big mantra. But you know, I do like Brandon Jennings, so <laughs> I'm cool with anything about that. 
But I, I am waiting to see uh, how I'm feeling fine today. I'm waiting to see how the rest of the city is feeling because I am going to go ahead and predict that this entire city is going to have one hell of a hangover this morning just from what I saw on TV in terms of hydration last night in downtown Milwaukee. There's going to be a lot of tongue-shaving going on as people stumble out of bed today. I think Pedialyte sales will be through the roof this morning. Oh, yeah. Man, if I'm a, gator, <laughs> if I'm a convenience store operator, I'm stocking up on Gatorade and Tylenol. If I'm in the uh, drive-thru of a McDonald's uh, for that greasy breakfast, I'm like, oh, oh yeah. my God. What's, what's oh, the Andrew oh, Wagner uh, hangover cure, by the way? Uh, much like Ron Swanson, I don't know. I don't get hungover. I come home, I make myself a steak, put on a pair of wet socks, and call it a day. Uh, <laughs> well, see, this is the weird thing. When I'm when I tie one on, you know, most people want to sleep all day. They're just like done. For whatever reason, I wake up at the crack of dawn and I'm wide awake and alert, and I feel totally fine. And it fools me into being productive and, and getting getting myself going. Because then, like, four hours after I get up and, like, get into a project, all of a sudden, boom, there's a giant Mack truck, and for good measure, you know, a cow's going to come use your mouth as a toilet, and then the hangover kicks Yeah, the in, delayed so. hangover gets me, too. Yeah. I'll, I'll oh, be up and ready to go. Every time. Every time. It's, it's like two to three hours after the fact, and I'm like, what am I doing? What have I done with my life? I need to reevaluate everything I've uh, stood for. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Andrew, I mean, do we need to reevaluate the Milwaukee Brewers entering the All-Star break here as they lose three in a row to the Cincinnati Reds? Like, what the hell? was? We were uh, going on and on about how terrible the uh, umpire crew has been uh, over the weekend, but also how bad the offense was and what the hell is going on with Josh Hader. What's the what's the biggest issue right now for the Brewers going into the All-Star break? I don't really know if, if there's the issue per se. I mean, listen, you look at that slate of games that they had to close out the break, uh, and it, I, I was trying to do the math here, and, yeah, I know that they won 11 in a row, then they lost uh, 6 of 8. Okay, so fine. You know, it's not good optics. But you have to like where they're at in terms of the standings. Yeah, you got a four-game question. Sure, it could be a little bit bigger right now. But, you know, if I would have told you at the beginning of the season, Christian Yelich wasn't going to hit a lick. Uh, Low Kane was going to play a handful of games and be on the IEL. Colton Wong was going to go on the IEL three times. Keston Hira wasn't going to hit. Travis Shaw was going to go down for almost the entire season. But they're going to go into the break up four games. I think you would take that. Yeah. You know, you got to look at the baseball is one of those things. You got to look at the big picture. Um, I think they're okay. And I'm not even the least bit concerned about Josh Hader. I mean, the guy had been just perfect up until this weekend. Whoops. That was my alarm telling me to get up for uh, Didn't even hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Anyway. um, I'm glad that you would have been four minutes late. I appreciate that. Well, that was the. the (laughs) I just, I just messing with you. But yes, Josh Hader, you're not concerned about him. Just like I'm not concerned no, about I, you I, ever I, missing I me. Be, I mean, he, he's a, he, exactly. He's a closer, man. Like, you name me a closer that has gone through an entire 162-game season without giving up a run, you know, at all. Um, and again, if you would look at Josh Hader's numbers overall, instead of just on a micro level looking at it over the last three games, I think he would take it. You know, it, it's, it's they're playing good baseball. They played bad baseball over the weekend. They had a rough weekend offensively, but the Reds do have good pitching, and that's something we've known about all year. It's not an excuse about saying, oh, well, you know, it just happened. If you look at the overall body of work, 
I think they're in a good position for the second half moving forward. Andrew Wagner joining us right now. Before we uh, you know pick your brain a little bit about uh, the five All Stars now for the Milwaukee Brewers, I got to get your take on five. This five, five, incredible, five. But before that, what did you think of that Yelich ejection on Saturday? Was was Yelly? Did he make a move to second base and it was the right call, or uh, do I have the uh, the Homer glasses on saying no, no, Yelich should have been safe at first? You know, I really can't tell. I went back and I watched it a couple times, and I really can't tell. I, I tell you, what I'm more impressed about in that entire thing, like, let's tip the cap to Quentin Berry, first base coach. Like, I've never seen Yelich like that before. Uh, Same. And, and I thought he was going to take the umpire down. Like, Quentin Berry played defense. He kept Yelich away so well that, like, the Bucks should have signed him as a defensive stop because they haven't played <laughs> defense that good. Like, all of a sudden, Yelich loses it. You think he's about to drop fist, and Barry's right there, knowing like he very well may catch a haymaker, but like close to him because that could have gotten silly real fast. So Yelich says uh, like something along the lines of, "That's you know bleeping bleep. You've been bleeping us all series." And then Onora comes in and like says something, and Yelich tells him to f off. Uh, the, does Yelich have something to stand on here? Because this, um, now I'm not blaming the umpires for the. Uh, the crew losing three in a row, but that was uh, Rowdy went on a tirade earlier today about it, and the scorecards came out from Major League, the Major League Baseball scorecard, you know, Twitter account, and that was a very unsavory series for the umpires. Can we blame the umps for this series at all, Andrew? You know, I, I, and I, I've been pretty good about this throughout my career. I will rarely, if ever, point to umpires or officials or referees for costing a game because there are always things you can do as a team. To, to take it out of their hands. But this weekend was just bad. And I, I, I agree with what Craig Council said about it. You know, it, it's not so much that they were complaining. It was, it was who was doing the complaining. Because the guys that were jawing, the guys that were upset, are not guys that you normally see getting upset about bad calls. They take this in stride. But some of those ball strike calls were just egregious. And some of those calls on, on, on the, out in the field were ridiculous. That was bad. That was so bad. You know, Angel Hernandez is texting guys, these guys saying, how the hell do you guys have jobs? <laughs> like, that was by far the worst umpiring I have seen in a Major League Baseball game, and I've done this 20-some-odd years. Yeah, that was uh, that was very tough. Now, obviously, the, the offense is a lot less to be desired as well, and uh, some of the, you know, Josh Hader blowing it a little bit. But what's the, what's the solution, Andrew? Are we ready for robo-umps? Are we going to get the T-100 or maybe the T-1000 in here from Terminator? You know, it might have. I, I'm not against it anymore at this point. Like, what I've seen the last couple of years, I'm just, I'm just not against it. Um, I'm not in favor of it, but I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it's the end of the game. My, my feeling is, we have the technology. If the technology exists to do something, why not? I understand human element, blah, 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 but this is not the human element. Like, th- this is pitiful. This is, you can't have this in a Major League Baseball game. What happens if, if this is a World Series game? What happens if this is a playoff game? What happens if this is, you know, the season's on the line? You just can't take that chance. Now, on the other hand, my concern is, well, if we're going to rely on this technology, which is great because it exists, baseball has review technology. They find a way to screw that up anyways from Sunday, too. Yep. Like, it, it's, it's pathetic. Like, I don't even know why they have review in baseball because it, they can't get it right. 
how many? What are they watching on TV? Like, I don't get it. I don't get it either. Well, rumor is uh, one of our listeners on Twitch, the King, says, "Are you sure that Frank Frank Drebin wasn't uh, from the Naked Gun? Wasn't umping, umping over the weekend? Can you confirm? Oh, that is outstanding. Can you confirm or deny that it was Frank Drebin? Stick you Well, no one got patted down, so. And the only uh, the only uh, English, the Queen didn't take a blow, but she did metaphorically speak when England lost the Euros. So there is that, I guess. I, I wish the scoreboard operator, every time the umpires did the, the pitcher check and they're coming off the field, would show on the screen when Frank is, like, taking everything out of the pitcher's head. He's going to every board, a power sander, an angle grinder, just, like, one of the best scenes of TV. Well, that's what they're doing now with the pitcher's checks. Like, you know, they yeah. hey, deep hands, spread your cheeks, let's see what you got up there. You know, it's funny, and this is a tangent. So back, uh, the late, great Dick Enberg, who is one of my all-time favorite radio hosts, all time, just one of the best, did everything. When he was still doing TV for the Padres, he, uh, he came to town, and uh, him and I were both at the uh, you know, little sports writer's room behind the press box doing what you're supposed to be doing, and we just started talking, even though it breaks the rules, and we were talking about the naked gun. He's like, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. I said, the one thing I've always wanted to know is there's the scene where they're showing the bloopers, and like the dude's head falls over the wall, <laughs> and he stops me and goes, my face, that reaction they showed, was completely natural. He's like, they put this blooper reel together, didn't tell us what was on it, were showing it to us and filming us, so that when they cut to they cut to him and he's just sitting there with his jaw dropped, Dick Enberg's jaws on the floor, was a completely natural response seeing this guy's head fly off and fly over the wall because he had no idea this was coming. One of the greatest movies of all time. Andrew Wagner, one of the greatest writers of all time. Forbes.com joining us right now. All right, so, Drew, let me ask you, brother. All-star uh, festivities happening. Um, no one for Brewers, obviously, in the home run derby. You got you got Shoyo? You going chalk? You going Shoyo Tani tonight? What are you thinking? Pete Alonzo? I think you have to. Like I, 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 I want it to be a Shohei Alonzo final. Like, man, Shohei is so much fun. It is. It, it, it's so weird because the, the first appearance he made in spring training when he first signed was against the Brewers. And he looked awful. Keon he, he Broxton absolutely launched one that I'm pretty sure is still hanging in the atmosphere over Tempe, Arizona. Like, it was a bomb. And I remember all of us were looking around going, uh, okay, you know, what the hell is this? And to see this kid now, like, going out there, and he's had a rough couple of years. You know, the TJ and then the, the, the season last year, but like going out and doing what he's doing, like this is must see TV. And, and tonight, like, man, he's going to clear the stadium. Like, there's no, no doubt in my mind that Otani is going to clear the stadium at course. This kid has got so much power. And then he can go out there tomorrow and throw. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Uh, how about this? Brewers now have five. Obviously, Freddie Peralta replacing Brandon Woodruff and Omar Narvaez now getting the nod because Yadier Molina's a no go. Um, rifle, did we miss anyone? Should like Willie Adamas be in there? I know it's like you can't now, but is this all right for the Milwaukee Brewers having five All Stars? Obviously, Woody's not going, and um, you got Nervias running in there. Is this all good now, Hunky Dory? I, I think it's great. I mean, I, I think Adamas. Would, I, I thought they still had the final vote thing, so I apologize. When I was on last week, I was talking about that, and apparently they don't have that thing. No, anymore, I thought which, that I thought that existed too, and I thought that Adamas would have been the perfect candidate for it because he's. He definitely is deserving, definitely has a case, you know, but you can't argue with the way the Brewers are going to be represented because those three starters, I mean, they're, that's the best trio in the game right now, uh, what they're doing every day. 
absolutely deserving. Hater, absolutely deserving, even though he had, you know, the rough weekend. So our truck going past me, I apologize. Uh, and Omar, like, Omar gets in there, and that's, that's such a good story for him. And all these guys, it's such a good story and such a reward for what they've done to improve and get to this point. You know, you look at 2019, the absolute nightmare that was 2019 for mm-hmm. Corbin Burns. Freddie Peralta had a horrible 2019, too, if you look back. Like, he recovered a little bit, but it was not good. Woody was okay. He still was struggling getting out of the big ending, but he made it through the year. And then you look at Omar last year, who was just completely lost at the plate, and how far he's come, you know, as an offensive player in Milwaukee, and how far he's come with his defense. You know, he's a big reason for those pitchers' success. Like, I can't think of a more deserving group. It's a, a hell of a reflection on what the Brewers are trying to do as an organization, too. You know, developing pitching and, and being able to take guys on who have some flaws in their game, like Omar, and turn him into an all-star. Like, it's this is a big day for the organization. It absolutely is. I love it. Andrew, you're a big day for us here having you on. You're the all-star of the today. You get the gold star on the fridge, my friend. Thanks for joining us. We always appreciate your time. I mean, how was the weekend? Did you, any fun stuff over the weekend? I mean, kicked a couple hangouts or what? No, I was at the ballpark all weekend. Where, where's Rowdy? Is he taking a nap? No, I'm here. Okay. I'm taking it all in. Okay. You know, it's not I can confirm. I didn't see funny. any yawns this segment from him, so I, he was not taking okay. a nap. All right. Well, you know, I like I like when Rowdy throws curveballs at me. Rowdy, got anything you for Andrew before you let him go? Um, Well, you're off-air Bucks talk. I think you went up a notch in my book. There it is. We'll talk. We'll talk, boys. All right. You have a good week. <laughs> See you, buddy. There he is. Andrew Wagner, com. My man. Josh Hader. What the hell's wrong with that guy, Rowdy? Or I'm just overreacting. Hader blew I think a lot you're of overreacting. I mean, he blew, he blew his first save of the season about a week ago against the Mets. Mm-hmm. And then he blew the second game of, of or, yeah, his second game of the season against the Reds this weekend. And then um, that's two in twenty-three attempts. Now he blew it what Saturday night, and then he blew it again yesterday. Well, that one he didn't blow the save. It no, was but a he blew game. it. But he blew it. He yeah, blew he said, a save, but he blew it. He's had three bad outings. And you had this crazy thing that uh, council was throwing him a bunch, so it would make it so he wouldn't throw it tonight, or I'm uh, sorry, Tuesday night in the MLB All Star game. I think that that could be a reason why we saw Josh Hader quite a bit in the last week of the se- so far, right leading up to the All Star break. I mean, we saw him come in, blow the save in Game One of that doubleheader against the New York Mets. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, when it looked like the Brewers were going to need him again to save the second game of the doubleheader, they had him getting up and warmed, which I I liked. I I applauded. I was all for it. But then all of a sudden, he had to get down. Brewer scored a couple runs. They didn't need him. And then he's in there for multiple games in the Cincinnati series. And we've seen in the past, especially in the last couple of years, where Josh Hader is firmly in that uh, closer role for the Milwaukee Brewers, that Craig Council has been hesitant to use him more than a couple days in a two, three-day span. Yeah, he's, he's bubble wraps. Yeah, he's been uh, you know, extremely cautious when using Josh Hader multiple, multiple days in a row, especially in high leverage situations. And the fact that they used him quite a bit in the last week, maybe uh, Craig council now knows he's like, 
Yes. Josh can have, yes. He yes. can have Monday off, Tuesday off, Wednesday and Thursday off until we might need him again on Friday. Give him a nice, uh, four or five day vacation. What? Correct me if I'm wrong, but Hater blows it by, was it a home run to Castellanos? And then the next game he beams him in the elbow? Yeah. Now, that wasn't anything nefarious. That was just him losing a pitch, right? Yeah, and especially... Because Castellanos wanted to fight him for a little bit. Well, okay. One, he gives up the home run. It sucks they lose. I get it, but you're not bringing in Josh Hader unless it's a tie game or you're in a situation to save. And you're not throwing at a batter when it's a tie game or you're in a situation to save a baseball game. Like, if there was someone that was going to come after Castellanos, it it would have been a different relief pitcher or a different starter in a different situation. Because Castellanos didn't, like, pimp his home run, did he? Plus, if I remember correctly, when when he hit him on Sunday, there was two strikes. Yeah, he just hit a fastball up and in, and Castellanos... Good thing he had his uh, his little elbow protector on because I think that thing was a screamer right at that dude's elbow. And then he wanted to get in the face to hate her. Was it Nervaez out there? Kind of be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Was that how it all happened? If I remember correctly? It was nothing. But, I mean, if you look at Hater, when we've seen how good Josh Hater has been this year going into the last week leading up to the All-Star break, he had an ERA sub one. I mean, he had only blown or he, technically he was perfect 20 for 20 in save opportunities. Mm-hmm. I mean, you couldn't really ask him to do much better than what he was doing. You know that there was going to come a time where he was going to fall off a little bit from that pace because if he didn't, I mean, it'd go down as one of the best seasons as a closer ERA and, and save percentage-wise that there's ever been. I mean, think about how good Josh Hader has been since he was called up in 2017. Here are his ERAs since then. 2.08, 2.43, 2.62. Last year he had a little bit of the slide where it was 3.79. And now this year, after getting hit hard in basically what, three out of his last four appearances, Mm -hmm. his ERA is still under one and a half. Like he's now pitched 36 and a third innings this year. He's only giving up 16 hits. So don't freak out about Josh Hader, who's kind of crapped on his like the past couple appearances. Here. I mean, right now he's on pace for the best ERA in his career. He's on pace for the best whip in his career. He's on pace for the best FIP in his career. He's on pace for the second best strikeouts per nine in his career. I mean, he's he's having a career year. So don't freak out about Josh Hader. No, and I think this is a perfect situation where they used him quite a bit in the last week. He'll get those four or five days of actual rest off because I doubt he'll they better actually... better not use him on Tuesday. Yeah, I doubt he'll be used on Tuesday. And he'll be refreshed, and that Milwaukee Brewers pitching staff will continue to do well. All right, cool. All right. Well, I just left it's like what have you done for me lately but, right? and lately you've kind of crapped down yourself it's a very inopportune time for Josh Hader to have a little blip on the radar yeah. especially when it was a series against a team that was in second place it was where you could have really put some distance plus then on top of that you throw in some of the horrible umpiring and the fact that the offense really wasn't scoring runs and that was a struggle and then you finally finally look like you're going to break through on Saturday and and get a save because you, you, yeah, you clawed back after um, some spotty umpiring that allowed a home run. And that's being polite. 
and then you're in that situation for Josh Hader to nail it down, and it's kind of like a fist pump, like yes, yeah, we like won hell this yeah, game. like we're earning the All Star break, you know, feeling good. And then he blows the save, and then comes in on Sunday with a tied game you after some questionable safer out calls on the bases, and yeah, just inopportune time. Now, if those were spread out, like. Yeah, you would have no problem with it. Yeah, if he had those three bad games that were spread out in the like first couple yeah, like weeks, once once a month, yeah, you'd be like, ah, well, yeah, just whatever. a blip on the radar. But they all happen to to coincide right in the last week. Yeah, a uh, thick cheddar on Twitch says hater is fine. No one's perfect. Uh, everyone has ups and downs in the season. All star break will help him reset for a second half. True that. And I think we need to talk about the Reds are a good hitting team. Like we've known that the Reds are a team that swing the bat well. Yeah, yeah, they are. They're one of the better teams when it comes to batting average and scoring runs in Major League Baseball. They just struggle at pitching. Yeah. So, so the fact that okay. a couple of the blips came against the Cincinnati Reds, it's not as surprising. Yeah. Brewers, um, after falling yesterday, they had a three-game losing streak. They won 11 in a row, now lost six of eight. And their lead on the Reds is now dropped to four in the NL Central, but still leading. One of the best teams in baseball. Let's go to the phones quick. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Hey guys, it's Corey. Corey, what's up, brother? Hey, Corey, I got some good news for you. Corey, real quick, I got some good news for you, brother. Okay. A little. You you called in last week off here, wondering, uh, you know, about Badger game days, right? Remember? Yeah. A little birdie told me we're gonna be somewhere pregame Badger Saturdays. So there you go. I'll plant the little seed in your head, and we'll water it with uh, Coors Light, Miller Light, you name it, and then we'll uh, pick the fruits of our labor. Our labor come Saturdays. PBR-ish. Let's, let's Even better. There you go, brother. Or, or boxer beer. Or ice house. Or maybe mountain crest. <laughs> God. Every review I've read about boxer beer, I was like, what the hell is boxer beer? It's like, this stuff is like the worst beer you ever know, made in the entire history of the planet. I'm like, wow. Okay. I've had boxer, Corey. Mountain crest is worse. Yeah, mountain crest is. Yikes. Mm. Mm. Red Dog's down there too. I had that was the first. Red Dog is like a delicacy compared to Mountain Crest. It is. Yeah. Well, it's like an aphrodisiac compared to Mountain Crest. I was at the game on Saturday. My voice is still a little hoarse from yelling for that. When Yelich got kicked out, we were giving it to the umps pretty good. Even my wife was like, "He was pissed." I've never seen. I've never seen Yelich like that ever, ever, ever. I was hoping then that he was like all of a sudden gonna go off yesterday, and that was gonna be like what snapped him out of his slump, but. Nelly, Nelly says he would have paid for his bail if Yelich would have thrown down. I would have too, actually. That, that ump was <laughs> well. Just how he was bad, asking for it. Just how bad they were the entire series. I know it was. Well, even my father-in-law mentioned he's like, yeah, when Peralta, he's like, that was a strike when he, when the guy was a Castellanos hit the three-run homer. That was Suarez that hit the game winner off the hater on Saturday. Ejuanio, yeah, obviously his last name, and. uh so yeah, I mean they missed some pretty obvious calls on. I'm, I'm just wondering with the Brewers, like, if that offensive like explosion we saw like the last couple weeks, like when it was the Cubs and then the Pittsburgh, obviously the pitching probably wasn't that great on the, the opposition that they're facing. I wonder if there was a bit of a mirage that that offense we saw, or if it's the fact that like a lot of these guys that they're playing are, you know, the Brewers offensive guys are kind of more like triple-A type. No. People are figuring them out now because... I mean, it's kind of their roster, right? And looking yeah. at the looking at the schedule know. coming into the year, you knew that June was going to be a good month for the yeah. Brewers just mm-hmm. based on the, the teams that they had to play and 
where they were in the standings, how they weren't that good. So you're hoping like if the offense was going to bounce back, it was going to be in June, which they did, and they took care of business. And now so far in July, I can't be too upset outside of the Red Series for what they've done. Well, the Reds the whole year, I went through the record. Like They're 5-8 and eight against the Reds, so the Reds have had their number this year for the most part, and they only got six games left against them, so I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, and three coming up right after the All-Star break, back <laughs> going to Great American yeah. Ballpark. Yep, and then three at the end of August. Yeah. So hopefully uh, – It's kind of time, to get, time to get rid of these guys. Like, just let's, let's just get these series over with and have to see them a while again. Hopefully Lorenzo Cain provides a spark if he comes back. Did they ever actually officially say what his injury on the IL other than just the old man disease? Is that pretty much <laughs> I think he was des- I think it was designated old man disease. Okay. I think it was technically a hamstring, but now that's the second okay. time he was on there with a hammy and then he had a quad before. I feel like old, old man, man disease is like your back. Like it's your lower back. That's old man oh. disease. Or your feet. And then yeah, it's like your back well. and your feet. Oblique. The other thing would be nice is hopefully a Colton Long here can come back because I think he'll provide because the guys they got out there not starting. I mean, let's be real, a lot of these guys aren't really starting level caliber players. It sounds like bench players, you know. Yeah. It sounds like Colton Wong is going to be expected back either this weekend or to start next week after the All Star break. Like against KC. Yeah, it's it's gonna be maybe. one of those two. Mm-hmm. And then they're hoping for Lorenzo Kane at the end of July. And Wong's injury is what the oblique or was it his calf? They said calf, calf this time. That was calf. Hmm. All right. Well, let's see what the Bucks can do here this week. Hopefully, they can keep it running, and let's see if the Brewers can make it happen. That's Speak it into existence, Corey. Speak it That's into existence. Do, every, do that with everything. Just Take you, you single-handedly point. got us at tailgate too, brother. You spoke it into existence. <laughs> exactly. So I just got to keep thinking that stuff. <laughs> oh, and one other thing. Yeah. Everything is cashless at North Park. At, yeah, so did field. you have to it like was, get like uh well, like put your had, cash in machine and get a card? No, what I did is wife and I, I picked up a couple of prepaid cards oh. at Target because I was like, I'm not giving these guys any more of my data than I have to. So <laughs> smart man. They already got your hook, so, line, and sinker, but yeah, smart man. I know. It's a matter <laughs> principle. So, anyways, Good stuff, easy, Corey. Guys. See you, buddy. Have a good Monday. You too. Yeah, you too, Corey. He sparked a little something in me, though, on that Saturday game with the Freddie Peralta pitch that was clearly a strike. Castellano should have been out. Yeah. Then you give up the home run. Butterfly effect here. That ninth inning would have been 3 nothing Brewers. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm, ju- I'm just saying, it would have been 3 nothing Brewers, and then uh, the home run that Josh Hader gives up at the end, final score would have been 3-2. I mean, he might not have even given up the home run either, you know? Butterfly effect. Where are you at, Ashton Kutcher? <laughs>